Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and every quarter of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope that you're enjoying this beautiful Monday, the 15th of April. I am hey, listening to the Podland Troutcasters. I am your co-host, Brandon Golden. Not with me is your beautiful co-host, Keith Feltner-Smith. I am doing a very brief recap of the Blazers' 104-99 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first game of the first round of the 2019 NBA playoffs. Woo! It feels good to get that win. The Blazers getting their first playoff win since 2016. They had been riding what I believe was a 10-game losing streak stretching back three series ago. So it was really good for them to get the monkey off their back. Now, there have been plenty of podcasts that have already recapped this game in depth, but I did want to bring you just a very brief episode. Keith and I are probably going to talk about both game one and game two when we're back after tomorrow's game, which again is in Portland uh, before the series heads to Oklahoma City for a couple of games. But I did want to bring you just a little bit of a reaction and maybe making it a little bit more personal and a little bit less stats-based But before we get to that, let's do talk about the stats briefly. Look, like the Blazers pulling this one out, they led 39 to 25 after that first quarter, but then only scored 15, 22, and 28 points respectively in the second, third, and fourth quarters. There's a lot to go over there. Paul George on the Thunder went only eight for 24, but did have 26 points and 10 boards. On the Blazers side, Ennis Cantor with 20 and 18. Lillard with 34 dimes and three boards. McCollum with 24 points. Aminu had 10 points and nobody on the bench for the Blazers scored double digits below. Seth Curry did go two for three from deep with eight points. Um, And so there are a couple things to talk about statistically before we get into more of the aesthetic piece. And again, this is going to be a relatively brief podcast, but did just want to bring something to follow game one. So first and foremost, the Blazers, again, getting their first playoff win since 2016. That's a big deal. I was thinking the Blazers did have to come out fast both in this game and in the series in order to have a shot considering that they're down use of Nurkic. Now, the Thunder are also down a 100% healthy Paul George who was playing, but he's not totally right. Both of his shoulders are bothering him, although there was some reporting today him saying to the media that his shoulders are not bothering him, that he is pain-free. I am not so sure about that. Both of his shoulders being wrapped up, him missing that last game of the season, him being quoted last month. uh, Those troubles actually started in February, but him being quoted last month is saying that he's more or less good to go unless he gets hit in one of those shoulders, in which case it it causes pain. And him saying a few days ago that he couldn't play the final game of the regular season because he basically couldn't lift his hand. There's no way that Paul George is 100%. And frankly, that is the path to the Blazers getting a win in a series is Paul George not being his his full and true self. Now, he only went four for 15 from deep, did Paul George, but he did look a little bit better toward the end of that game, as did the Thunder as a whole. Um, but let's leave that aside and talk about the Blazers some more. So Aminu and Harkless combined to go just three of 10 from the field and O of two from deep, but that really doesn't talk about the impact that both of those players had defensively, both Aminu and Harkless looking very locked in defensively and that is also part of the reason why Paul George didn't have the best of games not just because of the shoulders but because of the good defense from both Harkless and Aminu just seeing the energy with which actually both teams were playing was really really cool you are reminded that yeah 
now we're talking about playoff basketball and there is no better basketball in the world in my opinion than nba playoff basketball i was actually talking with a friend of mine i I went to century bar which if you haven't been is a great place to watch a blazer game all they have to get there early to get seats as like that stadium style seating a lot of screens uh a lot of really passionate Blazers fan. Basically everybody in the place is wearing a Blazers jersey, tons of like yelling and applause. And it just, it actually kind of felt like being in an arena of sorts. It was super fun. But as there with my friend, Kelsey, shout out to Kelsey, who's a huge Blazers fan. Her whole family is a huge, huge fan of the sport. Uh, actually, she was telling me about how she grew up. Like her family really bonded over basketball. It was just really neat. But anyway, um, talking with Kelsey, about the Blazers and God, I lost my train of thought. That sucks. <laughs> I don't have any of this written down. I'm just going off the dome. Uh, I swear there was a point in there and I, I forgot what it was, but yeah. Can someone please remind me? Actually, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit pause. I'm going to listen back. What was I talking about? Okay, yes, I'm back. Yes, the point was that there's no better basketball in the world than NBA playoff basketball. Kelsey and I were talking about this. Some people are like, you know, college basketball purists, like, oh, college is like the most beautiful game. And it's like, no, like, I get that NBA basketball doesn't have the consistent effort from game to game during the regular season, but that's 82 games. That's a lot of games to play. By the time you get to the playoffs, it is all of the world's best athletes playing basically as hard as they can, basically the whole time, and particularly against a team like the Thunder, which is such an energy team, with Russell Westbrook being the the leader of their team's energy, without a doubt, if not their best player, with the leader of their team's energy. The Blazers and the Moda Center had so much energy, it was palpable. There were times where you could not hear the announcers on TV because the crowd was so into it. The playoffs are here, and it's so much fun. The Blazers did jump out to that early lead and it was unsustainable and we knew it was unsustainable. They were shooting far too well. The Thunder uh, couldn't keep up again. 39 points in that first quarter um, only scored 37 combined in the following two quarters ended with a respectable 28 in the fourth as I, as I talked about. But I mean, that's what made all the difference. I mean, the Blazers needed this hot start in the game to maintain that buffer that kind of carried them for the rest of the game. The Blazers only trailed for like less than 30 seconds. And that was at the very beginning of the game. So they basically were leading from wire to wire. So good to see and so needed, as I mentioned earlier, getting the monkey off their back, the 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 10 game losing streak in the playoffs gone, the sweep against New Orleans forgotten like and yeah, like Damian Lillard. I mean, and there was uh, a, a decent amount of conversation about this. I think Zach Lowe tweeted that Damian Lillard had to earn those those 30 points that he got. He only went nine for 21 and only five for 11 from deep. He actually went cold from the first quarter uh, through at some point in the third, didn't make a bucket in the second, but it was, it was enough, uh, A, because the Blazers had options besides just him and McCollum, uh, namely Ennis Cantor, and B, Damian Lillard not panicking, playing with pace, trying to find his teammates. I mean, there were a couple plays where Damian actually looked for Harkless at one point and Aminu in another kind of near the end of the game. They got clean looks and they didn't go in, but that's not the point. The point is that Dame was looking for them and not trying to do everything himself. And I think that's super, super important for this team to not get panicky. Last year, again, Dame and CJ were getting trapped. It looked like they didn't really know where to go, what they were doing. And this time they had some releases for those um, those times in which that they were getting pressured a ton. And also just to go back to Aminu and Harkless, like they're not going to shoot three for 10 again, like one of them at some point is going to have a better shooting game from that than that. 
And if they both bring that same defensive effort, that's something the Blazers can clean up. Another thing the Blazers can clean up are their turnovers, particularly in the second quarter when they had that big lead. They 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 pissed a lot of it away with a bunch of really silly unforced turnovers. Dame had six in this game alone. CJ had three. Aminu had two. Cantor had two. Zach Collins had a couple of turnovers himself. The Blazers can clean that up too. So, I mean, there are, pardon me, there are places you can look here and say, look, just because they're not the ripest blueberry on the bush doesn't mean that they can't make the best fit. And they did get the win here despite not playing their best ball. I know a lot of people are going to look at the Thunder and the fact they went five for 33 from deep and be like, well, if the Thunder shoot normal from deep, then it's a different game. And that's true. And that's completely fair. But also the dynamics of playoff games tend to change pretty quickly from game to game. What you see happen in one game may not be what you see happen in the next. I think a good example of this in the NBA, look at the Brooklyn uh, 76ers series. Look at the Nets Sixers series. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets took that first game and it was looking a lot like the 76ers were in in trouble at a minimum. Um, The Nets winning that game 111-102. But look what happened tonight. The Nets got beaten 145 to 123. It was a completely different game. And I'm not saying that the same thing is going to happen in game two tomorrow in Portland. I'm not saying the Thunder are going to win. I'm just saying the dynamics of a given game could change. So you can't just be like, oh, the Thunder could shoot better from three. Oh, the Blazers could turn the ball over less. Oh, Aminu and Harkless could do better. Oh, Damian Lillard could shoot better. And if you equalize all those out, like you're going to get the result of the game. That's not how it works. Like the coaches are going to make adjustments. They're going to make adjustments to the adjustments. They're going to try to do pre-adjustments adjusting and try to get ahead of the other coaches adjustments playoff basketball is just different you're seeing the same team over and over again it's just bizarre so all right if we're going to talk about the things i liked seeing most in this game the most obvious one and because it's true is ennis Cantor going for 20 and 18 with two blocks and two assists seeing him hold his own on the court seeing him as a team best plus 15 I don't think that stat in particular got talked about enough because we all talk about how Ennis has his defensive deficiencies, and that's true. And we talk about how Ennis has to make up on offense and through his rebounding what he gives away in his defense. But in this game, he clearly did that. Again, he was a plus 15 when he was on the floor. He played 34 minutes. And he was not perfect. He did have some moments where he didn't look so great, but he more than made up for it. There's room for him to not have as great of a game as he did. But look, like uh, seven offensive rebounds. That's a big deal. That's seven extra possessions that the Blazers got because of his effort. No other Blazer had more than two offensive rebounds. Ennis Cantor had seven. That's a big deal. If anything resembling that, continues in game two the Blazers definitely should be in good shape and look like as good as it was to see CJ McCollum uh playing and getting I think 20 plus points for the first time since that Poplidius injury took him out for about 10 games he only went nine for 24 to get those 24 points he did have six boards and three dimes but like CJ nine for 24 room to improve Damian Lillard nine for 21 room to improve the Blazers as a team shooting 77% from the line and the Thunder shooting 87% expect those numbers to flip next game the Thunder are not a good free throw shooting team the Blazers traditionally are Westbrook going eight for eight for the line that's not going to continue dude's only been shooting 60 let's see why does this take so long to look 65% for the line this year so I'm not saying he's a 65% shooter. That's actually below his historical average, but like, he's also not going to go eight for eight every time. Like, 
so I, I, again, like, did the Blazers win this game comfortably? No. Was it a tough game? Yes. Did they do more than they needed to win? Yeah, they did. And like, how do I feel after this first game? Well, first of all, a lot of the pressure that the Blazers had because of their 10 game post post postseason losing streak because of the fact they got swept against the Pelicans. A lot of that pressure is now released. Uh, the Holy Backboard podcast with Dustin and Sage. I think Sage called those turnovers in the second quarter I was talking about. He called them scaries because the team is nervous and they're scared and they're they're turning the ball over. Uh, for nothing except for their own fault. And that's a really good way to put it. They're scaries. They're going to have fewer of those moments in game two because they've gotten past that first game. They've gotten that win under their belt. It doesn't mean they're going to relax. They're obviously not going to, but I do think the Blazers have another gear they can reach as do the thunder. So I don't want that to get lost either. Like Paul George bum shoulders or no, like he could play better than that. Westbrook played pretty poorly in the first half. He can play better than that. Uh, Dennis Schroeder going 0 for 7 from deep. He's not the best three-point shooter, but like he can do better than that. Like both of these teams have room to improve. So um, I don't know. Like I, there's no one thing you can look at. And be like yes, like but for that, the results of the game would have been significantly different either way. Like no, like there are adjustments to be made both sides. But I think at a minimum. I have to say, I'm like cautiously optimistic. I picked this game going seven games and Blazers winning in seven. I'm still thinking that's the case, but I'm feeling slightly more confident that they might get it done in six. I mean, a lot of people have said, and I know I hate that when people, oh, a lot of people have said, or people are saying like, I, I truly cannot remember where I heard this. I've heard it more than one place. A lot of people are saying the Blazers cannot get a win in Oklahoma City and they should just be relying on home court to get those home court wins. I understand that. I feel it. Uh, the Blazers home court during the playoffs is a legit advantage. I do think that there's probably some tricky analysis you could do and maybe put like a point differential total on how many points the Blazers gain from that home court advantage. And then similarly, how much of a deficit they may feel because they're playing somewhere else. That being said, like I wouldn't be super surprised to see the Blazers win game two. And would we really be all that surprised that if they win the first two games, if they won one of those games on the road, are we really saying that's beyond the realm of possibility? I don't think so. I think it's possible. So I don't know. No sparkling analysis here. I just wanted to give a couple of, of my, my feelings because, hey, when you have your own podcast, you can talk about whatever you want. Um, I wanted to bring up one more thing which is coach Stotts, you know, he has a reputation as a coach that is not particularly flexible. And, you know, one of the ways in which he's been kind of inflexible is with his rotations have been very, very tight. Uh, 10 people played in game one. That is not a traditional coach Stotts super tight playoff lineup. Like, I don't know, like, I'm not saying that that like foreshadows anything in the rest of the series. Like Myers Leonard only got five minutes. Um, but I do think that that shows that, I mean, Terry Stotts is willing to look to what works and what doesn't, especially with Nurkic out, you kind of have to search for that. And like Evan Turner, bless his soul. Like I could see some of those minutes going to Seth Curry. Like I honestly don't understand why he didn't get more minutes. Like having another shooter out there, is really valuable. Like maybe he was giving some up on defense. He was only a minus two in those 16 minutes. And considering he's playing mostly with bench units, that's pretty good. Again, Seth Curry, two for three from deep. What more do you want? He was the only blazer to shoot. Uh, well, not true. Rodney hood, one for one, him and Rodney hood be the only blazers to shoot over 50% from deep. And like, 
you could always use more of that. So like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Evan Turner maybe play closer to like 12, 13, 14 minutes. Seth Curry maybe getting closer to 20 minutes. Zach Collins didn't look particularly good in his minutes. But again, like I think these are the first meaningful playoff minutes the dude's ever gotten. He's going against someone in Steven Adams uh, who's much bigger than him, someone in Nerlens Noel who, despite the fact that he hasn't really lived up to what people thought he'd be, is still a functional player. Nerlens Noel for the Thunder went four for five with six boards. Pretty good. Um, so, yeah, like I, all of this is to say, like, my gut feeling is that Blazers will find a way to win game two. Like, it's going to look different from this game. They may have to earn it a little more. I don't expect them to get out to an early lead like they did. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, that the Blazers took advantage of the fact that the Thunder didn't get off to a particularly hot start. Like, that's great. Like, again, as Kelsey and I were talking about uh, when we were at Century, like, it's better to take advantage of the fact that a team does not have a hot start rather than just be tied with them. So, you know, sustainable runs or no, like you have to take advantage of your leads when you have them. Blazers did enough to win this game. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good. And, and again, like I, nobody wanted to see them lose this game. It would have been really, really bad. It would have been really gut wrenching. Um, I'm going to get off the fence. I think the Blazers actually win by double digits in game two. I'm, I'm knocking on wood as I say that. Um, but it, it just something about uh, something about this game, game one, something about it felt like the Blazers just really needed to get a win in order to feel comfortable. And like now that they've gotten that, I, I, I feel like they're going to play better than they did. Um, but again, the Thunder could also play better, too. So at this point, I'm kind of rambling uh, a little bit of breaking news. It's kind of sad. Boogie Cousins for the Warriors. He was chasing after um, a steal had to leave the floor he's getting an mri something with his quad and there is a picture i retweeted if you follow me on twitter at goldner pdx his quadricep doesn't appear to to be attached to his knee anymore i think that he may have ruptured his quad i'm not a doctor um, but that sucks for demarcus cousins who underwent you know an achilles injury is on this one year make good deal is in his second career game in the playoffs ever and is making a hustle play and potentially has torn his quad. I mean, that, that sucks. Injuries suck. Ban injuries. It looks like the, the Warriors are going to cruise to a win. They're up by 26 in the third quarter against the, against the Clippers. But what we care about, Blazers Thunder tomorrow in Portland, game two. And by the way, if you're looking for tickets to that game, I was looking for standing room only tickets. Kind of annoying. $38 for standing room tickets. Go to buy them. Uh-uh-uh. You got a $2 facility charge. You got a $5 service fee. You got a $5 order processing fee. That's going to be 50 bucks. Thank you very much. Not a fan of that. If the ticket's $50, tell me that it's $50. So I, I guess I'm not going to the game. It's a bummer. Oh, well. Um, and the funny thing is, if I mean, and this is just, I don't know, like the trickiness of like market palatability, palatability, is that a word? Market palatability for consumers slash capitalism slash whatever. If it was 38, I would have bought the ticket. Probably would have gotten a drink while I was at the arena. Probably would have ended up spending 50 bucks. But since the ticket says 50 bucks, not paying for it. So anyway, just 
just tell me what the price of the ticket is so I can buy it. Anyway, with all that being said, looking forward to game two. We'll be back, me and Keith, uh, with a podcast going into a little bit more in-depth, a little bit more structured, less just off the cuff. Wanted to get the game one reaction. Uh, tell us what you think. You can find us at Trailcasters, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails, trailcasters at gmail.com. I do want to implore you, if you're able to, if you just take a moment, please, and give us a review, a five-star review. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's like on Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play or whatever. The reviews help the podcast a lot. And I really, really appreciate when I looked the last time, it looked like a lot of people have reviewed the podcast. And I really, it seriously does mean a lot. Like it might sound cheesy. It does mean a lot. So if you haven't done it yet, if you could review it, it's it's a way that more people can find us. Um, and it's just, it's it's, yeah, if you like it, Please do that. That'd be great. Uh, the intro, outro, and interlude beats, the outro beats you're enjoying right now, in fact, are brought to you by Odar. You can check out all of his work at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. And with that, I'm not sure I can do the outro off the top of my head. Um, that's it. That's our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Trailcasters. Thank you to the zero guests that we had. Uh, thank you to Envy Adventures. Thank you to Clearly Speaking, our awesome sponsors. We appreciate you a ton. Please give us those reviews. Uh, and until next time, go Rip City. I totally can't do this intro than the words in front of me, but Keith does a much better job of it than I do anyway. But thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. Go Blazers. Uh, and uh, look forward to game two tomorrow. Talk to you then.